Well, good morning. Awesome. Um, I have a question for you as we start this morning. Why are you here? You could be home getting ready for the game. Half the church is right now. You could be at brunch. You could be grocery shopping. You could be sleeping. You could be playing video games. But you chose to come to this building or tune in online and and be with people that you may or may not know, to sing songs you may or may not necessarily like, to hear someone talk too long about an old ancient book, and then go about the rest of your lives. So why are you here? And I ask that with love in my heart, because we're, we're wrapping up this series called Healthy Rhythms, where we've been looking at these ancient spiritual practices that we have adopted from the life of Jesus, that that um, things such as prayer and fasting and Sabbath and scripture reading and all these things, the goal is not to master the practice, but to, to help them form us more into the image of Jesus for the sake of those people in our lives who don't yet know Jesus. So we become people of love for them to express God's love through us to them. And this morning as we wrap up, we're looking at this practice of corporate worship of coming together as the body of Christ to sing songs, to pray, to, to be with one another in a gathered space, to hear from God's word. And it's, it's kind of an odd thing. It really is. I didn't grow up in the church when we started going when I was in high school. I'm like, this is weird. Like, this is very odd. We're saying these things, I don't know what is happening, or these songs, and it was an odd thing. So why are you here this morning? As we look at this, this practice, really, of spiritual, or uh, the spiritual practice of corporate worship, it is not going to be a sermon of me pleading for you to come back to church. Please fill the room so Martinize ego feels better. That's not what it's about. And it's also not going to be a sermon of like, this is exactly what worship is and any other style is wrong. Like, no. I'm a little nervous because I think there are some things that are going to be kind of hard for us to hear. And it's kind of been a different sermon for each of our three services. If you didn't know, we have, this is your first time or you, this has been your home base for years. We do have other styles of worship and I'll expect maybe some emails this week. I don't know. You guys have been super gracious so far. But this is my goal. Laying my cards on the table this morning to help you understand the why behind the importance of weekly participation in corporate worship. To help you understand the why and the participation for corporate worship. Now, I could just throw this up here, which I am. I, you may have seen this on the internet this week. I don't know when it got posted originally, but I found it. it says, I don't, this is Tony Evans, preacher. He says, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they are right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone. Amen? That's amen, yes. You also don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough. Your relationship will be affected. You laugh, but it's kind of true. And part of me could just get up here, or Pastor Danner, and say, you need to come to church more so you look more like Jesus. Do it. 
I'll love you more if you come more. God will love you more if you come more. That's the law. It might motivate you for a moment. You might start blocking out Sundays for a couple weeks. But unless your heart is changed, it's not going to change any behavior. So my goal this morning is to help us see how the gospel, the good news that Christ is king, reigning and ruling over everything, how that is actually an invitation to participate in weekly corporate worship. But before we get there, we have to first understand kind of some misconceptions of what worship is about. For many, especially in our modern age, worship is about getting good information. Just, just give me a good sermon, pastor. That's all I need. Throw out the Greek every once in a while. Throw out the Hebrew every once in a while. Make me feel good, like I know some more information, and that's it. Music, liturgy, take it or leave it, right? Is part of worship getting information? Yes. But it's not the main thing. And for many people, worship is about fulfilling my personal spiritual preferences. Finding a church that has the kind of music you like, the kind of preaching you like, the kind of aesthetic you like, the... the, coffee or donuts you like and if any of those fail change or don't you don't like anymore you'll just go find a new church there's plenty of them we're in the south but it's not primarily about your personal spiritual preferences do we all have preferences yes are those inherently sinful and wrong no but they're not the main thing or for many especially younger generations worship is about my personal relationship with Jesus that's not anywhere in the pages of scripture now Christ died for you and he rose for you but corporate worship is about y'all and this service it's harder because it's dark I can't see you because of lights I hear some like clattering out there I think there's people in the room but it's Corporate worship is about the body of believers coming together. So what is worship then? That's the question. What is worship? And you would think that's an easy question to answer. But if I ask 10 Christians what worship is, I'd get 11 different answers. Our passage this morning that we're going to kind of base off of is from 2 Samuel And this is an odd passage. It's a little lengthy. I'm going to read the whole thing. So hang in tight. I will give you the Anthony summary at the end of it. Now, when the king lived in his house, this is David, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart. For the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. This is what he says. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought you up from the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling in all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel. Did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. 
And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you, that the Lord will make you a house. That the Lord will make you a house. Summary. God's, this, is, this happens right after David had uh, brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And they, they're worshiping. They're having an amazing worship service. And after this, David's like, Lord, I'm going to build you a house. And this is God, Anthony's paraphrase. God says, dude, I'm good. I've never had a house. <laughs> I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to bless you. And when the Lord says, I'm going to build you a house, he's referring to his bloodline, the dynasty. From you is going to come the bloodline that the Messiah of Israel, the one that you are standing in place of, Jesus will come from your bloodline. I will bless you. David brings him a little bit of praise and God responds with more than he could ever imagine. If you go on to read in 2 Samuel, um, right after that, I'm not going to read the whole passage this morning and go read it, but David breaks out into praise, into gratitude, into saying, God, Lord King, who am I that you would remember me? He tells the story of Exodus and, and all of God's faithfulness and because of what God has done, he will now respond in worshiping. I'm going to fly, fly through the slides for you real quick. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, oh. Oh, we're still going. There we go. Fast forward. Centuries. The Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to the Romans, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We see in these two passages, what does this have to do with worship? We see God setting up a pattern for his people as he lives in relation with them. It's, it's a revelation and a response. We receive and we respond. God says, I'm going to build you a house, David. I'm going to take care of your family. And in response, David gives shouts of praise and adoration to Yahweh. In, in this Romans passage, Paul is saying, in view of God's mercy, right before that, Paul was laying out for the, the people that God in Christ is now joining Jew and Gentile, making a new family of God to glorify his name on earth. And oh, by the way, he's laid out the entire gospel in the first 11 chapters. In view of that, now live your entire lives. All that you are by conforming your mind to the way of Christ. This is your spiritual act of worship. We are, God reveals himself to us and we respond. So here's my humble definition of worship. Worship is the natural response to an encounter with the triune God. He reveals and we respond. He gives and we receive. And into that gift we respond. 
one Lutheran writer, he puts worship as God's service to us as his gathered guests and our faithful response to him in Christ. Now, our, we are a Lutheran church and Lutherans love worship. We have thought long and hard about worship. I have too. My undergrad, I, got, I went to school to study worship for 13 years. I was a worship leader. I was doing what these guys do every single week. My heartbeat is worship. It's the heartbeat of the church. And this was a groundbreaking little chart for me. So this is a German word. I was practicing it with Google Translator. And Martin's like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. And I was told from the 745 crew who... They probably still speak some German. You gotta spit more. Golden stinks. <laughs> That's how it, golden stinks, right? It's, it's this harsh word. Everything in German sounds very offensive. But it's this idea of, it, it, we don't have a great English translation, but divine service. If you kind of grew up in our tradition, certain pages of the hymnal say divine service. And for some people, that means it's the right service. <laughs> All it means, it's a word we've given that it is God's service to us. And you can see this little chart here that it's first this huge arrow, God coming down to us. God coming to us in bread and wine. God coming to us in the waters of baptism. Christ condescending and coming flesh and bones for you and I. And all we can do is give up a little bit of praise. It's all of God's work and we respond. God's work and we respond. God's work and we respond. It all starts with God. So as we gather, there's kind of like four acts we work through as a worshiping body week in and week out. We remember. We remember what Christ has done for us. We tell the narrative of God. God created everything was good. Humanity rebelled. He spent some time with Israel trying to make it right. It didn't go well. Jesus redeems humanity. We're in the in-between period with the church now. And Christ will come again and make all things new. We remember that story and we place ourselves inside that story. And as we remember, then we come and we receive. As we come to the table, we receive the body and blood. We receive the forgiveness of sins by what Christ has done. And as we receive, we then respond. And we respond in two ways. We respond in this place where we sing songs. We say amen. We clap our hands. We recite things like creeds and the Lord's Prayer. If you've been to some of the other services, there's almost more response because the liturgy is more interactive. It's not so much just a, dia- or a monologue of a guy up here. There's a back and forth. But then we respond as the writer in that one uh, quote I had a few moments ago, that we respond with faithful living. That as we remember, we receive, we respond by being Jesus to the community. And all of this is a great rehearsal. Everything we do on Sunday morning is meant to form us and shape us, 
to be the kind of people that look more like Jesus Monday through Saturday. That as we come, as we sing, as we remember, we begin worship in the name of the triune God. That you wake up and you call on the name of the triune God. That you have received faith through your baptism. That you live a life of, as we confess our sins every week, you live a life of confession and repentance. You hear the scriptures taught over you. You live a life that is humbly submitted to the authority of scripture. You break bread with brothers and sisters at the table that you live in community with one another. And as we do that, we are being formed into a peculiar people meant to shine for the glory of those, for the glory of God to those who don't yet follow Jesus. Week in, week out, week in, week out, we show up and God forms us slowly but surely more into the people he's called us to be. But why, why do we need to do that together? I can do all of those things on my own with my cell phone now. I can hear sermons. I can listen to any kind of worship music I want. I can find community online with other Christians. Why gather with other Christians in a building? This passage from 1 John will help tease this out. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What does that have to do with corporate worship? Because it is in corporate worship, it's in the crucible of community, God forms us into great commission people. Because the reality is, I, I've been here for about three months now, and, and you guys have been so faithful to me and my family. And we just, every single day, we wake up and go, this is exactly where we're supposed to be. You guys have been so gracious to us and loving. So anything I say from here on is like out of love. <laughs> it's not going to be as bad as you probably think it is. <laughs> But I've learned, like, we have three different styles, and, like, the people of Bethany are super passionate about their styles of worship. <laughs> Very passionate. And a lot of opinions about what should or shouldn't be in worship. And he, like I said, each service has been a little different of a sermon, because each service, we get just fun emails of what should be changed. <laughs> Pastor, you don't bow low enough before you go up to the altar. Who would have thought video announcements would be a huge issue on both sides? This service, who would have thought saying the Lord's Prayer every week or the, reciting the creed or singing a hymn in this service would be offensive to people? 
Did you still get the bread and the wine? Did you still hear the word proclaimed over you? Did you still hear that you are forgiven? And yet you're more concerned about if you like the service or not. It breaks my heart. And not that, that opinions are wrong or personal desires. Like this service is probably the oddest for me. I came from a scrappy little church plant where I'm like, our lights worked that day. Here I'm like, oh my gosh, and there's water vapor in the air. And like for me, it's kind of like, it's cool, but for times like, oh, it's kind of (laughs) silly. It's not bad, but I have to check my own heart at times. Do you check your heart when you come into worship? Are you coming to say, God, I'm here to receive whatever you have for me. I'm going to respond in praise. I found myself right there in this this service. This is the third one. I've been up since 3 a.m. this morning. And I'm like, powerful name of Jesus, I'm going to do it. The powerful name, I'm having to focus. I'm here. I'm here. And being present in worship. Are you here to receive and respond to what Christ has done for you? As we've been going through this series, we've had weekly practices. And the goal of these practices is not to master the practice, but to begin to practice them so we can be formed more into the image of Christ. I've got four invitations for us this morning. Four invitations for this weekly practice. And they'll go out in the email tomorrow. They'll be on our social medias. The first one is like, come to worship. Again, not for my ego, not for Martin's ego, but for your formation as a follower of Christ. Like, check your heart. Do you value being part of the body of Christ? But are you more willing to skip it for a game on TV or other things you really think are more important? And I get it. I have a young family. Life is busy. But your calendar often shows what you value. And I've seen families change and adapt and say no or later to other things for the sake of being in worship and growing. Because study after study show people that show up to a church week in and week out actually have like lower blood pressure. They're overall more happy. You may not realize that. You may not be happy after I'm done talking. (laughs) But the spirit still works. Second invitation, maybe you show up week in and week out and you are faithful, you are going to be here, and that is amazing and beautiful, but maybe you're just checked out mentally. Where you've just thought, oh, I just show up and that's enough. But maybe God's inviting you to participate, to be more fully involved, maybe even put your cell phone away during worship instead of just aimlessly scrolling through and you only realize you do it to be present in that moment. And third, this is the craziest one. I know this is going to be nuts. But maybe God's inviting you to join one of the other services for a season. To go to the 745. I know, like, no one is saved that early in the morning, but, like, those saints in that service are beautiful. They've been worshiping here longer than I have been alive. (laughs) And they know Jesus faithfully. And that traditional liturgy does something to you week in and week out. And in that, 
God starts to, in the crucible of community, burning off the sinful desires, informing you, saying, I'm going to join these saints. Maybe it's okay to go to a service with a hymn and you'll see me in a funny gown (laughs) for a season. And the last invitation is invite someone into your life that doesn't follow Jesus yet. That's the response. And yes, I would love for you to invite them to church one day, but hopefully they see the liturgy of our, of our family, of, of hearing who God is, of responding to who he is, of confessing our sins, of sitting under the authority of scripture. And they see that in your life. And like, where do you learn about that? Like, come to my place. Come over to my family's house and check it out. It's going to be odd. It's going to be weird. You're probably not going to understand most of it. But come check it out and see what God does with that. So as we conclude this series, this is all an invitation God's not going to love you more. Myself, Pastor Martin, well, I speak for myself. I'm not going to love you more. I hope Martin won't love you more either. But here's the thing. As you practice these spiritual disciplines, you might find yourself loving Jesus more. You might find yourself connected to Jesus in deeper ways. And that's my hope and desire, is for you to be formed more and more in the image of Christ for the sake of the people in your lives who do not yet know Jesus. So may this series not be like a New Year's resolution where you try out for a month and go, that was good, let's just go eat everything we want again. These are called practices, and you have to develop those muscles slowly but surely by the empowering of the Holy Spirit that you have received in your baptism, brothers and sisters. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to end just with this quote. I'm just going to read it over us. And it's, it's from a Christian uh, theologian and philosopher who writes a lot on the power of formation in the worshiping community. He says this, Worship works from the top down, you might say. In worship, we don't just come to show God our devotion and give our praise. We don't come just to respond. We are called to worship because in this encounter, God makes and remakes and molds us top down. Worship is the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and our loves. Worship isn't just something we do. It is where God does something to us. Worship is the heart of discipleship because it is the gymnasium in which God retrains our hearts. Friends, dive in. There's so much more life for us in Jesus than we could ever imagine. There's so much more life in this church with one another than we could ever imagine. So God, I pray that you bless each of us, that you form us more and more into a worshiping community, not for our own sake, Lord. We are redeemed. We are made new. We, we know how our story ends. We have friends. We have family members. We have brothers. We have sisters. We have neighbors. We have coworkers that do not know you. And may as we worship, may our heartbeat be strengthened for their good and for your glory. So Jesus, may we respond this morning as we receive your body and your blood as you empower us as forgiven saints to be your hands and feet, to show the fullness of God to the world who does not know its creator. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.